From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this post-Thanksgiving weekend edition of Washington Watch. By the way, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. It is by far my favorite holiday. Family, food, friends, uh, and, you know, that that's kind of it. And you, uh, you kind of foster a, a heart of Thanksgiving, just thanking, being thankful for what we have as Americans. I think it's important we take that time to be thankful. And you know what? Many have tried to commercialize Thanksgiving with uh, getting a jump on Black Friday. Despite that, though, it has remained fairly non-commercialized, which is probably why we're seeing more and more people stepping over Thanksgiving, going straight to Christmas where they can turn a profit. All the more reason that we should continue to celebrate Thanksgiving. Well, over the weekend, news of a new COVID-19 variant, Omicron. Uh, The question is, should we be preparing for more government overreach? Should we expect to be seeing more lockdowns again, new lockdowns, more mandates? You know, I don't know, George. It's really too early to say. We just really need to, as I've said so often, prepare for the worst. That was uh, Dr. Tony Fauci on uh, the program this weekend with George Stephanopoulos. That's President Biden's COVID czar. Uh, President Biden himself spoke to the issue earlier today. We'll fight this variant with scientific and, and knowledgeable actions and speed, not chaos and confusion. Hmm, wonder where they're going to do that at. Also, another court putting a hold on a second Biden COVID shot mandate, this one for medical personnel. We'll talk with the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs, about all this and more in just a moment. Also, more and more countries are finding the generosity of China's infrastructure loans through their Belt and Road Initiative. Those uh, those loans come at a high price. The country of Uganda appears to be the latest victim of the Communist Party's fine print. Is the CCP's Belt and Road Initiative about more than trade and investment? We'll talk with Asian expert Gordon Chang a little later here on Washington Watch. And uh, last night, uh, we joined with New Horizon Church in Jackson, Mississippi, for a nationwide prayer gathering, Pray Together for Life. I hope you were able to join us. But if not, if not, uh, I'll have some highlights of last night's event. It is uh, this Wednesday that the Supreme Court will take up the oral arguments in a case that comes out of Jackson, Mississippi, that will challenge the constitutionality of Roe v. Wade. Last night, we were joined by about two dozen pro-life and church leaders, including the governor of Mississippi, Tate Reeves. I'll have highlights, as I mentioned later, uh, on today's program from last night. And as the Salvation Army bell ringers have begun making their annual appearances, it's not their bell ringing that's getting people's attention, but the apparent wokeness that has overtaken the 150-year-old-plus organization. CRT appears to be in the kettle. We'll take a look at how woke ideology is infiltrating Christian organizations and churches with FRC senior fellow Owen Strun, who uh, has a look at what is happening with wokeness in our churches. Look, as you know, the far left is aggressively striving to undermine and strip away our fundamental constitutional rights through attacking pro-life laws in a court, recasting our nation's history as racist intimidating parents who object to LGBT indoctrination, and the list goes on and on. Now, tomorrow is Giving Tuesday, 
And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to partner with FRC as we equip believers across this nation to take a stand for our freedoms. Now, thanks to uh, generous friends of FRC, all gifts up to $100,000 will be doubled. Uh, they'll be matched. So you can double your gift by joining with us on Giving Tuesday and being a part of making sure that Washington Watch and the work of FRC continues at a time when it's critically needed. To join us, give us a call. You can call us today. Wait, 1-800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or to get a jump on uh, everybody else for Giving Tuesday, go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, earlier today, the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Missouri issued a preliminary injunction halting the Biden administration from enforcing its vaccine mandate on health care workers at Medicare and Medicaid-certified medical facilities in Missouri and nine other states that joined in a coalition challenging the mandate. Now, this news comes just a week before the December 6th deadline that was set for those workers to get their first shot. And it also comes as the Biden administration is looking to rev up their COVID response with the emergence of this new variant. What we're doing now with the Delta variant just needs to be revved up. And that's the bottom line of that is the preparation by getting more and more people vaccinated and getting the fully vaccinated boosted. That's what we could be doing. But we are on the lookout for this. The CDC has a good surveillance system. So if and when and it's going to be when it comes here, Hopefully we will be ready for it by enhancing our capabilities via the vaccine, masking all the things that we do and should be doing. Again, that was President Biden's chief medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, appearing on yesterday's This Week broadcast on ABC. Now, will the latest variant give the Biden administration another excuse to push their mandates? Even in the, they're calling for more of these, uh, the boosters and the vaccinations, even though they still don't know what the science says about this new variant and whether or not it will evade the vaccines. Well, joining us now to talk about this and more, Congressman Andy Biggs. He serves as the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. He represents the 5th Congressional District of Arizona. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. All right. Let's start just with this. Um, the injunction out of the district court in Missouri that has put on hold this mandate on medical workers. How significant is this? Well, it's pretty powerful because um, so there's, it affects 17 million people nationwide who work in these types of facilities. And so you have 10 states that uh, are, have an immediate injunction. And that means that there's now impetus to maybe see that injunction spread nationally. And that's what I hope would happen. Um, because this is we're, we're talking next week is when the deadline is that uh, of this particular mandate by uh, President Biden. So it's 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 huge. And couple that with the Fifth Circuit's ruling and that uh, the Sixth Circuit is now bundling a bunch of cases together. I think you're seeing a, a tremendous movement here to um, demonstrate that these mandates are unconstitutional right now, Tony. I mean, to me, this should make a lot of what this administration is doing uh, as suspect uh, because they seem to be overreaching in a lot of areas. And, and like you said, this is the second mandate to be um, put on ice based upon the constitutional limitations that the, that the executive office has. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and this, this administration is 
has gone beyond its the normal executive branch function boundaries uh, for for 11 uh, months now. And so uh, everything from the NDAA, where they're trying to draft women and, and mandate uh, vaccines, et cetera, you got that going on. You've got the, these vaccine mandates that they're imposing on private businesses and, and, and contractors with the federal government, no matter how tenuous that contract is. All of these are signs of an administration that views itself as more of a, um, a dictatorship than uh, a Republican form of government, a uh, little r Republican form of government. That's, that's what I see, and uh, that's where we are, Tony. Uh, Congressman Biggs, let me move on to this new variant, the Omicron. The, the Biden administration is saying there won't be a new round of lockdowns for now. Uh, but such an action is not off the table. Here's what uh, Dr. Fauci said yesterday on ABC This Week. So Fauci is basically saying that, uh, you know, look, we're not we're not there yet, uh, but uh, we, we may have to do this again. They're doing this regardless of what the science says. In fact, the 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 um, experts are saying they don't even know yet whether or not this vaccine works against uh, the this new variant. They don't know if the boosters work, but yet they're telling people you need to be vaccinated to get your boosters. I mean, when do we look at the science on all of this? Well, it's, it's shocking, actually, um, and it's authoritarian. I mean, the doctor who in South Africa who uh, basically discovered the Omicron um, variant has said uh, the symptoms are very different, um, but that this is not doesn't have the same uh, tenacity as the original COVID variant or even Delta variant or any of the others. And he said, and this doctor has indicated very clearly that that at least as far as, as they can determine, this is, does not have that same kind of, of uh, uh, worry that should be attached to it. And yet Dr. Fauci's out there already signaling the need for more control over the uh, Americans in every uh, walk of life. And to me, that just points out what we've seen all along, that they don't care about the science, that this has been and that this always will be about control. And that's the, that's the concern that we ought to have, Tony, and that's the concern that, uh, that I have. Yeah, I, I'm with you, uh, Congressman Biggs, because if and when they want to talk about the science, they want to talk about natural immunity, uh, they, that, by the way, more studies out saying it is as effective or more effective against the variants. Uh, so, I mean, when they, want to, when they really want to go after the science, let's talk about all the science, let's put all the facts on the table until then. I think you're absolutely right, and I think a, a, a lot of Americans are with you is that we look at everything they do as suspect because it looks more like a power grab than it does uh, a concern for the health of the American people. Uh, I, I want to move on before we run out of time, Congressman uh, Biggs, because in the Senate, uh, the Senate is debating this week the National Defense Authorization Act. That's something the Freedom Caucus has been working on, something we've been talking about a lot here on Washington Watch. In fact, uh, our uh, lobbying arm has... Uh, prompted about 200,000 responses to members of Congress over a provision, and this would force our daughters to register for the draft. Give us the latest on what's happening on the NDAA. Well, uh, Tony, thanks for all that you and your and your uh, uh, listeners do to, to get this message out. But the Senate right now, 
is is mixed up in the sense that this is uh, you've got Democrats that don't want to vote for this, and then you have Republicans that insist on voting for this. The bottom line is you prob we've probably outlived the selective service registration uh, in toto. But this notion that you want to broaden it to bring women in is anathema to so many Americans, uh, and, and including those like myself who would like to see the, the selective service completely go away. It costs us millions of dollars every year. So right now, uh, it, it's part and parcel to this. We were told in the House, oh, yeah, go ahead and vote for the NDAA because they're going to take that out when it gets to the Senate. Well, those of us who voted no, we know that you can never believe that type of stuff. So people need to be aware that you're going to start seeing young women register for the draft. And if young women want to serve in, in the military, I have no problem with that at all. It should be their, their decision to do so, not to be drafted into the military. And uh, that's, that's part and parcel to the, the, the greater control, whether it's the VAX mandates for, for military folks or else they're going to give them a dishonorable discharge, that type of thing, um, and, and to, to whether they're going to let them do Afghanistan um, uh, accountability. They're, they're fighting that as well. How about the red flag laws that still haven't right. been fully taken out? So it's, it's a terrible bill. Well, I appreciate the Freedom Caucus uh, standing in solidarity against this measure. It's, it's one that conservatives almost always support because it's about our military. But knowing that, the left has loaded it up with lots of uh, left-leaning goodies that undermine the mission of our military. Congressman Andy Biggs, always great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. Great to be with you. All right, folks, and, and you can continue to weigh in on these issues. Go to TonyPerkins.com for more information on how you can be involved. This is our republic. We have a responsibility to be participants. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with Gordon Chang next on Washington Watch. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. 
to get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications. Sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. As I mentioned earlier, the program tomorrow's Giving Tuesday. And if you'd like to get a jump start on that, we'd love to have your support to defend faith, family, and freedom in America. We've got folks that will take your phone calls, 800-225-4008, or you can go to TonyPerkins.com. Earlier this year, we highlighted concerns over China's Belt and Road Initiative that critics say is a debt trap for developing countries that get involved and are unable to repay their loans they receive from the Chinese Communist Party. The latest case in point is Uganda's only international airport. In Tebi International Airport is reportedly under uh, the risk, at risk of being taken over by the Chinese Communist Party because the government has failed to modify their loan arrangement. Now, what can we draw from this? What's going on with China? Is this about investment, about uh, trade, or is there a bigger agenda here? With us now to talk about this is Asia expert Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. He can be found on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much, Tony. All right, so the uh, Uganda, their only airport there in Entebbe, which, by the way, is a pretty historic place because that's where the first anti-terrorist raid took place where the Israelis went in years ago. Um, but the Chinese are about to take over this airport. Tell us what's going on here. Well, there are reports that China has already foreclosed on the airport um, because Uganda borrowed uh, $200 million in 2017 from China's Export-Import Bank. Now, both Beijing and the Ugandan civil aviation authorities deny that, but clearly Uganda has not been able to pay back, which means there is going to be some rearrangement of loan terms. And we saw something very similar in Henbantota in Sri Lanka in 2017, where Sri Lanka couldn't pay back five loans, and China essentially took over the port. So probably something similar is going to happen if it hasn't happened already. So, Gordon, is this like, you know, this almost sounds like loan sharks uh, because you've got this, as I understand, it was a, a loan, $270 million at 2% upon disbursement with a 20-year maturity period and a seven-year grace period. So 
what did they default on some of the initial payments? And so uh, China's coming in. What's what's unfolding here? Yeah, they're not paying back. Um, and at issue are some particular clause, clauses in the loan agreements, which appear to be unusual. Now, in many of China's Belt and loan, uh, Road loans, there are these pretty onerous clauses. So, for instance, in this case, there is a clause that requires that any sort of dispute be um, conducted in China with the Chinese arbitration authorities, which means that China is going to win every dispute. Um, and uh, apparently, uh, China is not willing to negotiate on those five or six loan clauses. So it appears that there is going to be a default or basically a loan arrangement which will take care of a, a potential default. So, so, Gordon Chang, under normal circumstances, when you have disputes between countries, this would go to uh, an international setting in terms of dealing with the dispute? Well, in the loan agreements, there will be dispute resolution clauses. So you will go to, for instance, and a typical one involving international loans means you go to the courts of New York State or to U.S. federal courts. Um, but there are these provisions in loan agreements. And in China's provisions, it's essentially the Chinese courts. The problem, Tony, is that nobody thinks that Chinese uh, arbiters of fact and law are going to be any sort of neutral. And, and right. you know, people, people use New York be, or use U.S. courts because they feel that they'll get a fair shake. Nobody feels that way about China. Now, in reading this, Gordon, it sounded as if they were surprised that this was in the loan agreement. Is this the fine print that they just didn't bother to read or didn't see? Or what, 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 what's going on here? Well, in many of these uh, Belt and Road loan agreements, there are these extremely onerous provisions. And some of them actually prevent disclosure of the terms of the loans to the public. And that appears to be the case here as well. And it's really because China has corrupted elites to get these um, Belt and Road loans. And so um, apparently there are some provisions here which make it extremely difficult for debtors. But, you know, a lot of these countries don't care because the leaders have been paid off well in advance. So therefore, these types of provisions are thought to be common in Chinese loans. So, so Gordon, this was launched by China back in 2013, the Belt and Road Initiative. Now, their claim was this was to help um, further trade, also to be a, a form of investment. But is there a bigger agenda here that uh, they're taking advantage of mostly developing countries? Yeah, the agenda here is to control the world. What they want to do is control trade flows. So there are a lot of these projects which are considered to be uneconomic, ones that the private sector would not finance. China's been willing to come in um, because, for various reasons, local elites like to sign up these because they get paid off. Um, and the projects are not economic. So we're seeing with both the belt, which is the land um, route, and the road, which are sea routes, these uh, a lot of these projects don't make economic sense, which is the reason why so many of them go to loan foreclosure. And by the way, we, China's only official offshore military base is in Djibouti, which is a country that is believed to own more than 100 percent of its GDP, gross domestic product, to China. So that's no coincidence. Now, China borrows a lot of money and gets a lot of money from the World Bank, if I'm not mistaken. So why is it that they're getting 
special deals because they're supposed to be kind of a developing nation. They have a lot of poverty, but then they're loaning money out to like about 70 countries have been involved in this Belt and Road Initiative. Yeah, this is outrageous because there's no sense for this, no justification for it. And this was also true in general, where China was actually getting development aid at the same time that Beijing was making development aid uh, packages to other countries. So that has mostly stopped, but the lending uh, from the World Bank uh, has not stopped. And it is just completely unjustifiable for these multilateral institutions to make loans to China in these circumstances. Now, we need to wake up. I mean, China is, uh, they've, they've got an agenda and they're working that agenda and it's not to the benefit of the world, certainly not to the U.S. Gordon Chang, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Tony. All right. Folks, coming up, if you missed yesterday's Pray Together for Life event, we'll stick around. I'm going to hit some of the highlights and actually tell you how you can watch the whole thing tomorrow night. Don't go away. We're back after this. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch. Tomorrow's Giving Tuesday, and uh, if you'd like to be a part of partnering with Washington Watch Family Research Council, we have some generous supporters that have put forward a $100,000 match. So if you want to uh, give anything up to $100,000, will be double as you stand with us to defend and advance faith, family, and freedom. We've got folks that will take your phone call, 800-225-4008, or you can go to Tony Perkins. Dot com. 
This Wednesday, as we've been talking about, the U.S. Supreme Court will begin oral hearing oral arguments in a case that presents the greatest opportunity to restore the sanctity of human life in America since the 1973 Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. Now, the case is Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organizations, abortion clinic, the only one in Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, this uh, bill, or the law, actually, that uh, Mississippi passed, essentially outlaws abortion after 15 weeks. That's what's being challenged before the United States Supreme Court on Wednesday. Well, yesterday, in fact, I just got uh, back to the studio from Jackson, Mississippi, yesterday evening, FRC hosted Pray Together for Life. It was a nationwide prayer event that brought together pro-life leaders from across the nation, literally from coast to coast, from the West Coast to the East Coast, from border to border, from the northern border to the southern border, ahead of these oral arguments, simply to pray, to pray for the court, to pray for those who are going to argue these cases before the court, to pray for the church, to be prepared for the outcome. If you missed it, I encourage you to check it out at PrayTogetherForLife.com. You can watch it there, or or if you have DirecTV, you can also watch it tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on NRB TV. That's DirecTV Channel 378. Uh, but for now, I want to share some of the highlights from the event, starting with the remarks by the Mississippi governor, Tate Reeves, who joined us last night, and he talked about why pro-life advocates stand for the unborn. Every single day in America, thousands of children lose their God-given inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I was asked earlier today why those who are on the other side of this are wrong when they say, my body, my choice. It's a pretty simple answer. Because there is a baby inside that womb that deserves to be protected. And if people like me and you do not stand up for the unborn child, then who will? Because they cannot stand up to defend themselves. In fact, uh, the governor went on to pray uh, for the court case that was going to be uh, that'll be heard this Wednesday. And for our listeners in Mississippi and quite frankly, elsewhere. You know, when you have elected leaders like Governor Reeves that are willing to stand up and, and, I mean, he's aggressively defended this law, speaking out unapologetically as a pro-life leader, and then coming to this church last night uh, there in Jackson, speaking and praying, praying uh, for the situation, I would, I would encourage you to um, send him an email, make a phone call, and just thank elected leaders like that who are standing up for the values that you and I care so deeply about. You know, we don't, well, some of us don't hesitate to call and, and uh, when they do the wrong thing, but we're kind of slow sometimes to, to encourage them when they do the right thing. And I will tell you, I've been impressed with, uh, with Governor Reeves as governor and the things he's been fighting for. So I would encourage you if you get an opportunity uh, to call him. Well, one of my uh, dear friends, actually several of my dear friends, but one of them I want to share with you right now uh, is Bishop Vincent Matthews. He is uh, a bishop 
in the Church of God in Christ, actually there in Mississippi, and you've heard him on the program before, a great brother. And I'll tell you, he brought everybody to their feet uh, with his message last night. We're going to pray against the demonic spirit that is across America. This is not flesh and blood. This is not Republican and Democrat. This is not left versus right. This is, no, this is not carnal. It is a spiritual fight we are fighting. We're fighting with demonic strongholds that didn't just show up today. They've been on his agenda for a while. But the blood of Jesus is greater. That was a, a powerful message, and then he, he prayed, and we had many others that prayed as well. And, and, in fact, I can't even begin to scratch the surface in this six minutes in this segment that we have to talk about it. But you can watch all of it at PrayTogetherForLife.com or, again, tomorrow night, uh, NRB TV, which is Direct TV Channel 378, at 8 p.m. Eastern time, you'll be able to watch the entire Event, But I want to encourage you to be praying. This is a strategic, spiritually strategic moment for our nation. I believe God is giving us an oppor- another opportunity as a country to get this right. And we've been praying and we've been praying for nearly 50 years that this scourge of abortion would end. And as I talked about last night, this devaluing of human life, over 60 million abortions that have taken place, We can't deny its effect on the broader culture. We see it tragically every day in the violence that's on the streets of America. It's a long way back to upholding the sanctity of human life, but this is a good place to start. All right, folks, on the other side of the break, we're going to be joined by Owen Strand. Going to be talking about Salvation Army. CRT is in their kettles. What? going to talk about it next. Don't go away. Another Christian organization being infiltrated, critical race theory. It's not just organizations like Salvation Army. It's also happening in churches. This is a teachable moment. We're going to talk about it next on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. 
In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you at TonyPerkins.com. And again, tomorrow, Giving Tuesday, if you'd like to get a head start, we've got a $100,000 match that will be, uh, that's been put forward by some very generous supporters of FRC and Washington Watch. If you'd like to have your gift doubled to advance faith, family, and freedom, well, give us a call, 800-225-4008, or visit TonyPerkins.com. I Just when you, you think you've seen it all, now the Salvation Army has joined the ranks of the woke. They recently published a new guidebook titled, Let's Talk About Racism. Now, this thing is chock full of leftist ideas, and wokeism, including a glossary of social justice terms like institutional racism, systemic racism, and whiteness. Now, after receiving some flack for the guide, the Salvation Army uh, last Thursday announced that it had withdrawn the guide, quote, for appropriate review, end quote. Now, Salvation Army said the international headquarters, quote, realized that certain aspects of the guide may need to be clarified, end quote. But at the same time, it stood by its voluntary resource and actually took a shot at the critics. Now, what can we draw from the guide and from the Salvation Army's response to the critics? Is this just a one-off? Or are we seeing more and more Christian organizations and institutions falling prey to the left's wokeism? Joining me now to talk about this is Dr. Owen Strayan. He is a senior fellow with FRC Center for Biblical Worldview and author of Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It. Owen, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much, Tony. Great to be back with you. All right. So CRT is in the kettle. Uh, What's going on here with uh, the Salvation Army? Yeah, Siri, show me an organization that's giving into social justice. That's really what's happening here. Uh, what we have seen in this firestorm is that this statement that was released by the Salvation Army has kicked up a lot of dust. 
But in reality, if you look at the Salvation Army's earlier statement called their positional statement on racism, it's just classic uh, wokeness. It's classic critical race theory. They say, for example, Tony, that racism is not only the result of individual attitudes, but can also be perpetuated by social structures and systems. Sometimes racism is overt and intentional, but often it is not. Reading that directly from the Salvation Army's positional statement on racism allows us to see that this is a textbook affirmation of the idea that racism is not so much actional at the level of what individuals do primarily, but racism is very much structural. In fact, the the positional statement, in addition to what this guide has said, makes very clear that often racism is not individual, it is structural. To argue that is really to lean upon a Marxist understanding of racism, that racism is is baked into the fabric, the warp and woof of society. And that's what the neo-Marxists of critical race theory and woke ideology have been telling us now for several years, this is crazy, but no less than the bell ringing Salvation Army has capitulated in terms of these statements to wokeness. You know, I see in this a lot of similarities to the clamor on climate change, because there are things that are way beyond your control and your ability to even fix. I mean, when you talk about how huge this issue of climate change is and all that we have to surrender in order to, to, to try and deal with it, we can't really measure it. We can't prove that anything's being done with it. The same thing with racism. If we're talking about individual acts of racism, we can deal with that. We, we can absolutely deal with that. As we can deal with litter, as we can deal with pollution individually, we can deal with that. But these things like systemic racism, I mean, I mean what, what else do we do? We've had, a, we've had a, a, a black president. We now have a black vice president. Uh, we, are, uh, we, we certainly have a past that shows racism. We still have individual acts of racism. But, but how can you continue to claim that we have a system that is riddled with racism? And when do we know we've dealt with it. That's exactly right. Fundamentally, this is a great gaslighting experiment, Tony, where America has made major progress in terms of overcoming real racist policies, real partial uh, structures and systems that we can trace in the American past. For example, the institution of slavery, to overcome that, to uh, overcome Jim Crow law, excuse me, that's major progress, okay? Our society has made that, as you alluded to. But what we're doing now, uh, as we march to the, the tune of critical race theory as a society, is we are being gaslit, we are being persuaded to believe, in other words, that racism not only has gone away, but racism has actually gotten way worse than in the days of Jim Crow and slavery. And that is just outright fabrication. It's not true. If you believe that, though, you're really falling into the trap that wokeness sets for you, where then racism is everywhere. But when you ask somebody to show where it is, it's much harder to prove. It's really nowhere. And by the way, I encourage people to uh, to get a copy of your book, um, Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel, because you, you deal with all of this in your book, the origins of it, what is supporting it, and, and how to recognize it. So folks, uh, the book's only been out a few months uh, but it's, it's in fact, I'm finishing it up right now, and it's uh, it's it's really a good read to help you understand what is taking place. 
because oh, and I don't I don't want to get stuck on Salvation Army, and I'm using it kind of as a case study here as we look at it. They put out a a 66 page publication, and I've got it here on my computer. Let's talk about racism. And, and one of the statements that they make in this is that. Um, that we acknowledge with regret that salvationists have sometimes shared in the sins of racism and conformed to economic, organizational, and social pressures that perpetuate racism. Now, this is classic from the left. It's not individual acts of racism, but is simply by being a beneficiary of Western civilization that has made the entire world a better place that because we're a part of that, we're somehow racist. That's right. It's this incredible, massive level guilt by association exercise that takes your breath away and it ends up indicting all people who have white skin for this collective horrible legacy on racism. All of us can recognize that we're not perfect, that we're sinners, that we need Jesus Christ and his grace. All of us can see within us the seeds of partiality, treating one person better than another. And all of us can see in the American past real instances of evil. But that is not the same thing as the Salvation Army of all institutions, of all organizations, lecturing Americans who, by the way, are donating, many of them, to the Salvation Army at just this time of year on how they are all collectively racist. I can't really think of a worse strategy for fundraising than this. Fundraising is hard enough when you're not calling much of America structurally racist. It's it's beyond belief, really. Yeah, I, that's why I think they had to pull it back uh, is because, look, you, here, give me money. You're a racist. Give me your money. Maybe they thought that they would feel better, maybe less guilt if they gave money. But here's the problem with uh, CRT is that there is no uh, you're never absolved of your sin. And this is what I, I and this is really what I want to zero in on because the Salvation Army, 156 years old, it's an old institution. It's been around to to share the gospel, meet the the, the needs. It's moved more into the social gospel arena in in uh, the last several decades. But the Salvation Army is supposed to be committed to the idea of grace and forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is the core of the gospel. Grace and forgiveness. You know, what we saw on the cross was, was God's truth, his justice, but his mercy and his grace. And yes. we are forgiven of our sins. We can confess our sins and we can be forgiven. But under the, the, the framework of critical race theory, which this is all structured on, there is never any forgiveness. Where do we find forgiveness? Yeah, Merry Christmas, you filthy racists. I mean, it's just it's just breathtaking, especially from a Christian organization, as you say, at one at least ostensibly founded to promote the good news of salvation. This is where we see, Tony, that wokeness as an ideology, as a system, is totally anti-gospel. It's totally anti-Christian. It's not at all about the good news of forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ, which is by the way, what Christmas season celebrates. Uh, It is fundamentally about telling white people, in terms of its form here with critical race theory that we're seeing, telling white people that they are far more guilty than they ever imagined, that even if they're a Christian, they have far more sins. In fact, it's so bad that if you're a white person and you're part of this dominant racial group in America, 
you're literally never going to overcome your sins of participation in structural racism. It's not a condition that you get beyond. That's part of how you understand that it is absolute tomfoolery for a Christian church or a Christian organization or a Christian school or university or seminary, whatever it may be, to start trying to merge Christianity with wokeness. It will not happen. We don't tell people your behavior doesn't matter, do whatever you want. We teach people that you give your life to Jesus Christ, your life changes, sin is overcome, and you're no longer condemned by God in his holy courtroom. We offer this amazing promise of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And sadly, tragically, wokeness offers the exact opposite. It does not bring forgiveness, it brings condemnation. Yeah, and it's this perpetual guilt that you operate under. And and it, it even turns on its head the kind of the teachings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., where you know he envisioned a colorblind society. And and here, even in this publication, they talk about instead of trying to be colorblind, try seeing the beauty in our differences and welcome them into your homes, churches, and workplaces. Now How does that build spiritual unity by highlighting and celebrating our differences? Well, it doesn't. Uh, Fundamentally, when we're together in church, we're not supposed to sit there and have conversation at the potluck over how different we are. Oh, wow, we're so different from one another. We could never be together on something. We're supposed to find oneness in Jesus Christ. We're supposed to claim that the blood of Jesus Christ has washed us from all our sin. Do we come from different backgrounds? Yes. Do we look different from one another? Sure we do. Uh, Can we enjoy that? Can that be part of our different stories? Yes. But fundamentally, we have far, far more in common in Jesus Christ than we have that divides us as the church. But wokeness wants to divide us as the church. I mean, has it, it, doesn't the church, doesn't the cross, I would say the, 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 faith in Jesus Christ, it kind of homogenizes us. It brings us from these different backgrounds, and it gives us a place of commonality. It gives us a place of, uh, I mean, we're, we're all, you know, as the, as the saying is, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all standing at the same place. It, but this also has political implications. I mean, our nation's, um, you know, motto up until the time we adopted In God We Trust was uh, out of out of the many one. And so we came from these different countries, different backgrounds, different cultures, and we came together for one purpose. It's it's kind of like what we see in Acts, where they were gathered together in one place with one accord, one mind, one purpose. And so what I see this happening with CRT is to divide and make us powerless to actually deal with the issues we're facing in society today. Well, this is very important. You and I are really focused on the church and the proclamation of the gospel and all these sorts of issues, and that's paramount. Um, But we very much care about Western civilization, about America as a country, these kind of realities. And so we need to recognize that is exactly right. We need to recognize that this is ideology that will not only divide the church, this is absolutely tearing Uh, tearing apart the fabric of America. It's teaching people that they are impossibly and implacably divided from one another. It's teaching little first graders in Virginia 
that they should start playing together at recess based on their skin color, that the, the white kids are basically the oppressors in budding form of the kids of color. I mean, this is ideology, as we've seen happen in Virginia, that if not reacted against, if not expelled from public, whatever form that may be, uh, will absolutely in, infest wherever it goes. And so that has happened in America. It is going to divide people. It is going to explode the hard-won unity we have gained in recent decades. And so we are right in some to fight it in the church, as we've been talking about in Christian organizations. And we are absolutely right as believers to take a stand in public and say, all of you may not agree with me on religious matters, spiritual things, but if you believe that we are fundamentally one human race and we should not despise one another or judge one another based on skin color. We agree, and I am with you, and let's join arms and let's fight for this civilization before it's taken from us. I think this is a critical issue, and uh, obviously we're out of time for today, but, uh, Owen, what I'd like to do is uh, sometime in the next month just really unpack this because I believe this is it, it, this is like... You know, it, it's infiltrating every aspect of society, and people are just not equipped to deal with it. And if we don't call it for what it is, call it out and stand against us, the church is going to be overrun. And as you said, we lose the very essence of what it means to be an American. Owen, out of time. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, we're going to talk more about that in the days ahead. So you'll want to tune in for that. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.